Welcome to Sheepdog Nation podcast, the only place on the internet where law enforcement and their families can come to be understood, supported, and stood up for. Here's your host, the always entertaining, down-to-earth, yet-in-your-face truth speaker and Leo herself, Autumn Schmidt. What is up, Sheepdog Nation? Welcome to another podcast with your host, me, Autumn Schmidt. I'm really excited to have you here. Today, we um, are having a conversation with a sergeant. You may or may not know him. He's pretty well known on Instagram. Um, Sergeant Harris of the um, Middle Tennessee Sheriff's Department down there. He's going to explain to us a little bit more about that because I'm up in Maine and don't know a whole lot about what's going on down there other than his southern draw. <laughs> I'm really excited <laughs> to um, introduce you to him and have this conversation with him. Welcome, Sergeant. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm wicked excited to have you. Tell, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, well, I'm Sergeant Harris, or you can call me Brandon. Um, I've been working for a sheriff's department in Middle Tennessee, just south of Nashville, um, for the past 23 years. Uh, I started my career as a correctional officer working in the jail um, at the department I work at, and I did that for about two years. Um, after a little while, I was promoted to transport officer, which basically is still a correctional officer. You just don't have to stay at the jail all day. Um, we would take the, the inmates to court, to, the, to their doctor's appointments, um, to prison, things like that. So let me ask you something. So, cause I did that. So, okay. um, so I'm from, I live in the state of Maine. And so I was actually deputized and, um, and I was a transport deputy. So mm-hmm. up here is like a little bit of that common ground, kind of like what you're talking about. But so did you have to do any transports like by yourself or was it always like a two person operation or? Um, well, for the most part, you were always working with other people. Mm. Um, well, as far as taking the inmates to court and to doctor's appointments, the only time that you were ever by yourself is if you were, you were just with one person or maybe even two. But we always try to keep, um, keep everybody uh, in teams. So, smart. yeah, uh, but the department I'm at, um, of course, it's grown in mm-hmm. the past 23 years, but we... Gosh, you know, I listened to some of your interviews that you had with some of your previous guests, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is not Dallas, and (laughs) this is not Detroit. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, some people might call it a podunk department, but we're we're not large Mm -hmm. like that, but we're not small like Mayberry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, um, yeah, we we try to, to keep at least two people um together but it's it's not always feasible no and 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 i agree and the reason i bring that up is i just have to tell you so like so doing transport is started that's how i started my well i started my career in court security but then i moved to transport and without any training any training and they would send me with a van full of inmates 10 to 12 males and i would go all by myself like all over creation and Looking back, I'm like, how unsafe was that? And like that started a lot of my anxiety because they'd try to like, they were trying to tip the van and one guy back there puking because he wanted me to stop so that they could get out, you know? Oh, crazy shit. So anyway, so keep going. So you worked, you worked for transport. Mm-hmm. Well, 
one one question though did did you guys take like say the mentally ill to uh facilities such as that you know like if if they needed to be uh institutionalized or whatnot in tennessee um and i'm sure it's different in other states but in tennessee it's the sheriff's responsibility if there is someone at a hospital to um to transport these people to mental facilities. Is it like that in Maine? Hmm, no. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, we do. Mm. Um, but oh, dude, there was this one time and I'll be real quick with it, but there was yeah. this one time I was taking this person um, to a mental facility. And most of the time this, it's people that, you know, they're, they're off their medicine. They, they need to get their medicine readjusted. You know, some of these people are, are unfortunately suicidal. Um, some of them are just, you know, they, they've got a, a serious imbalance and they, they need medical treatment. So I was taking this one up to Nashville at one of the facilities and seriously, the entire time was their, their face was pushed up against the, the cage of my car. And I kept looking in the rearview mirror and it was like 3 a.m. Like I'm tired of shit and I've got this person looking at me the whole time staring mm-hmm. at my rear view mirror and mm-hmm. I'm looking at them and have you ever seen the movie, the exorcist? Yes. Yeah. Oh. For real. That's yeah. I never, that's the scariest shit, honestly, in my mm-hmm. entire career that I ever had to deal with. I don't like demons. Right. And I thought I had a demon in my car. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. But anyway, all right. So after, after I did the whole transportation thing, uh, I was finally, finally promoted to uh, patrol deputy. That's what I wanted from the from the beginning. But I knew going into this uh, career, I was too young um, to be a patrol deputy at the time. I think you said up there, and I could be wrong, up there you can be 18. Is that right? N- no, um, I think so. That's in Detroit. Yes, that was Detroit. Yeah. Okay. So Maine, you've got to be 20 with 60 college credited hours. Gotcha. Well, you have to be 21 in Tennessee, regardless. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, starting in the jail was, you know, getting my foot in the door. Um, Were you so 18 anyway, when you started there? I was 20. Oh, 20. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I finally got promoted to patrol deputy. And... Um, I did that for seven years, um, and in 2005, I was promoted to patrol sergeant, and here I am. Mm. Yeah. Well, and during that time, too, um, I, was, I was on our SWAT team. Some people call it SRT, CERT mm-hmm. teams, whatever. Um, I was on our SWAT team for roughly nine years, and before I got off of it, um, I was the assistant team leader, but my heart just wasn't in it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I knew there was a lot of other people that really wanted to get on the team. And I was basically just taking up space, mm-hmm. you know? So I finally just kind of gave that up and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But to have the humility to do that it says a lot. Cause a lot of people will just hold down a position like that. Cause they know other people want it. You well, know, some people get in there and, um, yeah, it's basically just the status. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I can tell everybody I'm on the SWAT team. You know, I got right. cool automatic weapons and whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I've been there. Had a good time doing it, but I was done. 
Yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't blame you. Like, so I don't know if we'd be like on that team. Okay. And then other than the demon incident, do you, <laughs> you tell us about like, have you ever had like, what's the most stressful situation you've ever been in? You know, early on in my career, I was extremely proactive and I'm sure that there's, there's quite a bit of, of things that happened on the job that um, was, was extremely stressful. But one of the things that really sticks out and I can't remember the exact year, I'm wanting to say it was somewhere around 2000. Um, I was working the night shift, which I, you know, in, in my career, my 23 year career, I've worked night shift about 16 of those years. Oh my goodness. Bless yeah. your soul. <laughs> yeah. Believe me. I don't care anything about going back. I mean, it's cool, but yeah, I've got a life. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, this one night, um, the tones went off on our radios. And of course, as you know, when that happens, it's typically some really bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the call had come out that there was a barricaded gunman um, in one of the local bars. And uh, he had just shot one of the, um, one of the city police officers um, in the town that, that this was occurring in. So, of course, we all go. Um, and, of course, as you're going there, you, you, you just think of scenarios like, what is this guy doing? What is this problem? Why is he in the bar? Why does he have all these hostages? Why did he shoot the, the police officer, you know? And mm-hmm. when I get there, is he going to come out? And if he does, this is what I need to do. You know, just start thinking of, of uh, the what ifs. Mm-hmm. And so there was one, one guy that was on the shift that I was on at the time. He, he arrived first. And um, was able to to get the injured officer uh, to safety, and went in, and uh, shouldn't have done this, but you know it's not my place to to really Monday morning quarterback. But he went in and challenged the gunman himself by himself. Um, of course, we all show up shortly after this, and uh, he's starting to retreat because the man is is. Uh, I don't, he, he didn't have a good view of him in, in the, in the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like I said, we all show up. Um, and as I'm going towards, uh, the deputy that's close to the bar, I look over at his patrol car and, uh, he had a rider. He had somebody that was doing a ride along with him. Right. Mm-hmm. And they were right there in the middle of everything. Mm-mm. Like did not need to be there. So of course I get this person out, take her uh, across the street to safety, to a convenience store, stay here, mm-hmm. um, go back over. And the town that we had responded to is a small town and mm-hmm. they only have two officers on at a time. So oh. the one officer that got shot is being treated, being mm-hmm. taken off to the hospital and his sergeant, is um in the parking lot in his vehicle like i I can't really explain why he's Mm. still in his car but he is Mm. uh so anyway this man um comes out and starts popping off rounds with a shotgun oh god oh yeah so we've got an active shooter 
He's not shooting anybody in the bar. We don't hear anything going on in the bar except for yelling. Mm-hmm. But periodically he would come out and he would just take pop shots at us. Mm. Right. So um, we, of course, take cover and we decide that we call out our SWAT team. And um, it's, it's sort of weird where the, 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 the place is because it's where two of the cities in our county meet, literally. I mean, hmm. so you've got one jurisdiction that responded, one city jurisdiction, you've got another city jurisdiction that responded, and then you have us, the sheriff's mm-hmm. department. Mm-hmm. So, so a clusterfuck. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a huge clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. And the larger city in our county, um, of course, they're there, and they're like, yeah, we're going to call our SWAT team out. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, hold up. I just got a phone with my sheriff. And he said, we're going to call our SWAT team out. So it's a pissing contest, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, who gives a shit? Just get the guys out here and let's let's take care of this problem. Mm -hmm. So eventually our SWAT team shows up and they start to do their thing. We take cover. You know, we let them do their job. But, of course, we still have eyes on the door. Mm -hmm. Well, the guy comes out um, of the bar. Mm-hmm. with his shotgun as our SWAT team is uh, approaching and they take um, a vantage point behind the guy's vehicle. And I'm thinking, all right, well, this is going to go one of two ways, right? He's either going to give up or he's going to screw up. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was looking down the barrel of my, my weapon on the guy. Of course, the SWAT team's got him too, right. but he lifts the uh the barrel of the shotgun up and as i'm looking down the you know through my sights his head explodes holy shit he's taken out by the sniper which Mm -hmm. is set up across the street so i would say that that's probably um that's probably the most stressful event that i've ever been through at work yeah absolutely Right. And it was, you know, like I said, it was probably 18, 19 years ago. Wow. And you still remember, you know, and that's the thing is you do, you still remember it just like it was yesterday. And we all do. We all have those yeah. calls, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you too. Um, it, it really messed me up. It really did. And well, I'm, not ashamed, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, it screwed me up for a while. And here's how it, how it would. I knew the guy. We had responded to calls to his house before, and I knew was, I knew he was trouble. You mm-hmm. know, he was he would always give us a hard time. Mm-hmm. Always resisted arrest. You know, and once this happened, it wasn't a surprise. But once it was all over with, um, here's how it really messed with me. Mm-hmm. Every time I would close my eyes to go to sleep at night, that's the first image that would pop in my mind. Yep, that guy's head. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that scenario. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just whenever I would go to bed at night, it was dumb shit. Like I'd be in the shower. Okay. Yep. So I got to clean my face. So in order to clean my face, I had to put soap on it and I had to close my eyes cause I don't want to get soap in my eyes. Well, that same image. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't know, I guess it probably took, I'm just guessing maybe three or four months. Look, what did you do? Finally stop. 
Like, what'd you do? But like, how'd you, like, what did you do to like handle that? You know, I know that I talked to, uh, gosh, I wasn't even married at the time. I talked to my fiance Mm -hmm. uh, about it. Um, I don't even think that I talked to anybody at work. Mm -hmm. I probably should have. I probably quite honestly should have seen some sort of therapist about it, but Mm -hmm. I didn't. I just, you know, I think I, to be honest with you, um, I probably Mm -hmm. self-medicated, drank alcohol, Mm -hmm. um, which is the worst thing you can do. Yep. Um, But, you know, a lot of people do it. You know what I mean? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, I guess you could say that I had PTSD from it. Oh, I, I bet you did do still do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think, you know, something that, you know, means a lot to me and I'm sure it's going to mean a lot to whoever's listening right now is for you to say, yeah, that fucked me up. Like, like bad, you know, because like even, even just a small, like a call, like I had, like I had, I didn't have like that situation, but like I handled them. Um, one of my first fatals was a girl I went to college with. Didn't know her personally, but she went to my college. She, my, one of my best friends was her like RA. So I knew of her and, and it was a fucking, she was dead right there. It was awful. The vehicle was flipped on its side. She was hanging out of the vehicle. Like I can remember it and it fucked me up. It really did. Like, like the next like month, every time I turned around, I thought I just saw like a, I thought I saw a fatal crash. Like, had, you know, like I remember being on the phone with my husband one time. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to let you go. And he's like, why? And I'm like, because I, I, it's, a, it's a 1055 fatal. Oh, yeah. That's our 10 code. I'm like, it's a fatal, it's a fatal. And then I call them back and I'm like, oh my God, it was a reflection. And he's yeah. like, are you fucking kidding with me? I'm like, you need help. And, you know, and, and so there are things that, you know, obviously that we go through. Um, I do love the fact that you talk to your fiance. I mean, at least you talk to somebody. A lot of a lot of us tend to keep it all in. You know, I've done that several times. Right. Um, well, hey, I'm guilty of it too. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, that's that's something, uh, believe it or not, that I'm still trying to get comfortable with doing. It's not like I don't want to share things with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the problem that I have, and you might be able to relate. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, you don't need to come home and not communicate with your significant other. Mm-hmm. You need to communicate with them because they truly care and they want to stay connected with you. But mm-hmm. here's the hard part as a law enforcement officer, when shit goes down at work, who do you talk to at the time? You talk to your, your, your coworkers, you, you talk to your uh, superiors, you talk to your subordinates, you talk to whoever it is um, that you can at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost like with me, um, you talk about it so much mm-hmm. at work that by the time I get home, that's the last thing I want to do is talk about that shit even more. But um, like I said, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to get better at it with communicating with my wife about things that have happened at work um, that she might want to know, you know, just, just so that she can stay connected with me. Uh, a little bit better and, and, and know what I went through. A hundred percent. And you couldn't have said it any better. I mean, it is like, we, we talk so much about like what's going on with like someone that we work with a coworker, right. Who like fully understands the situation. Cause maybe they're in the situation too. And you come home and you're like, all right, I don't want to talk about it anymore. 
I'm like exhausted, I'm pissed off over it or whatever, or not. I just don't want to talk about it anymore. And maybe it's like still bugging you. And, and the one person who knows you better than you know yourself is like, why are you upset? And you're like, I'm not. Like, right. No, you are. No, I'm not. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've come home and my wife is like, are you okay? It's like, yeah, I'm, all, I'm fine. It's like, why are you asking? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm just making sure. Are, are you sure you're okay? Yes, I'm okay. I promise. You know, it's just, I've, I've talked about it all I can. Um, and I don't even think about it sometimes, but mm-hmm. again, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to get better at that whole communication thing with, you know, what all's happened at work and anyway. I know. And I love that. And I, I really appreciate you making that point, you know, especially as a supervisor, as a male, you know, I talk about it a lot from a female's point of view, even being a female cop, being married to, you know, a cop. Um, but like from a male's point of view, yeah, I mean, it is like we're, you you know, you just don't, especially guys, like don't take it the wrong way, but like you guys don't love to talk about everything like we do. Like I could talk Tom Blue in the face about everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I have a podcast. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, you know, I know my husband, he's like, he's like that too. He's like, should I already talked about it with so-and-so like, and I'm like, you know, just like your wife, I know something is wrong because <laughs> mm-hmm. we don't, uh, you know, we don't tend to hide it as well as we think that we do, especially, uh, you know, you know, my husband, he made a really good point the other day. We were having a conversation about something and he just said, you know, I have to be this certain way while I'm on duty, right? Like, I, you know, I need to have the poker face and I need to keep all the emotions in check. And he's not like a super emotional guy anyways. Um, but, you know, so when he comes home, you know, he kind of just like lets it all like just he lets himself be human. And like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, and I think that goes along with why your wife can read you so well. <laughs> right. Why like, you know, all of our spouses is us cops. Like we think we come home and we still have that poker face on, but in reality, we definitely do not. <laughs> so, um, which is good because obviously we need to, you know, let our guard down at, at some point. So listen, so rumor has it, I, w- I want to talk to you about something. So, you know, obviously we, um, we have like a lot of, we talk about stress and, and stuff like that. And as you and I were kind of talking beforehand, um, you made a point that I, I really want to talk about on here. Um, and it's, you know, you talk about like your stress and like how your personality seems to be that you're pretty laid back, you're a pretty laid back supervisor, or you're a pretty laid back cop. Like, tell me about that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure and I think I may have hit on this a little bit earlier too. Um, earlier on in my career, I'm sure I stressed about everything, you know, constantly wanting to make sure that I'm, I'm doing the right thing, that mm-hmm. my superiors are, are proud of the work that I'm producing and, um, you know, going to certain calls and not been uh, on, on certain calls before and just not knowing, you know, how to handle it. it you know, once I got there, if I was going to do a good enough job, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and I don't know if everybody, um, is like this once they've been in, uh, or on the job for X amount of years, but I'll be honest, I don't let things bother me Mm -hmm. for one. A lot of things are not, um, controllable that, that are, that can potentially stress somebody else out. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it's, it's not worth, um, all the stress. It's not worth, you know, working yourself up on, um, as a matter of fact, um, I'm just going to be blunt. Some of the guys at work, 
I'm not a captain. I'm a sergeant, but mm-hmm. they call me Captain Fuck It because I just don't let. <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't. I don't let things bother me. That one man was like, "Oh my gosh, did you hear about this? I'm so worried about this." It's like, fuck it. There's nothing you can do about it. Just deal mm-hmm. with it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not in a in a way to where I'm talking down to them or or being degrading or anything. It's just, hey, reality check. Deal with it. There's nothing you can do about it. You know what I mean? I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I think. Honestly, I have got to say that I just think we could all learn so much from that, especially as cops, right? Because we come in and we're all type A, you know, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I got this, I need to have control of this and this needs to happen this way. And oh my God, I'm going to, you know what I mean? And that's literally, especially when you're a rookie, you know, that's your, that's what your brain is thinking. Like, you know, it's so much, you've got such a the big checklist to go over, but, um, you know, especially you being in a supervisory position, being a leader, um, you know, having the experience on the road to know exactly what you just said. I can't fucking control it. So what, why am I going to sit here and fucking stress out about it? Because that, that doesn't make any sense. So I think it's powerful. And I, and Sheepdog Nation, pay attention to that because um, I even need to do, I'm definitely very like fucking crazy. And, <laughs> and uh, I definitely could, you know, take a chapter out of your book. Um, Brandon, because that's um, that's huge, and especially in law enforcement, because the truth is, is we have control of one thing, and that's ourselves. So that's, right. that's powerful. So we talked about, um, you know, obviously what you've been through and and stressful situations and stuff like that. Like, you know, how do you like? Okay, I know that you're a very laid back person, but do you find like when you come home? Do you have a routine, or is there something that you know that you do? Maybe you work out. Maybe you hang out. I don't know what you do, but is there anything that you find that you have found yourself needing to do um, at any point in time in your career to help you kind of manage whatever stress or emotions that you are dealing with because of the job? You know, there probably is something, but I don't know that I necessarily do anything to, um, to help out with stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think that there is. However, I do have a routine. Um, you know, of course, when I get home, I get out of my monkey suit mm-hmm. and put that away. Um, and, and one of the first things that I do after that is, um, you know, I'll, I'll say something to my wife if she's at home, you know, how was your day? You know, try to make small talk and I go and I see my kids. Um, they mean the world to me. Mm. family means the world to me Mm. so um just seeing them um okay i won't get up on that anyway um after that i'll uh i'll come in and i'll sit down and i'll i'll watch the stupid ass news why do i watch the news why why (laughs) why why does anybody want to watch the news there's never anything good on there you know but that's what i do Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know what's going on in the world. Um, but as far as things I, I might do otherwise that might be a stress reliever, um, I'll, I'll work out. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go to work and, and be some wimp and, and, you know, potentially have some guy, uh, hell, or even a, a woman uh, challenge me one day and beat my ass. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I want, I want to be physically fit the best that I can. Um, of course I could always be more fit, but I like to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of us guys 
um, on my shift, we work out together. We, Ooh, I we, like that. We work out together um, just to help keep everybody motivated. Uh, I play golf. It's boring, right? I play <laughs> golf. It's so boring. <laughs> golf, golf, golf is boring, but damn it, if you ever start playing golf, it'll, you, you'll be hooked. So if, if, like, if I've had any trouble with any particular person, like, on the streets or anything like that, I'll remember their name. Mm-hmm. Write their name on that golf ball. What do you do with the golf ball? You hit that damn thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, just, you know, that's a little stress reliever, I think. I like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't think there's really anything else. I mean, in the, when it's really nice weather, which we haven't had in a while, um, I like to go to the park mm-hmm. and just walk around. You know, it's, it's it clears my head. Mm-hmm. Um, just simple things like that. I like it. I like it a lot. And now, so <clears throat> what about like, so you kind of hit on, like, I love the fact that you're like, yeah, you know, I get my shift and we, you know, we go work out and stuff like that. So do you, could you share with us? Is there like, talk to me a little bit about being like a supervisor, like in the, in the mindset, you know, of, you know, do you pay attention to, you know, your guys and girls like their you know their mental health or and and shit like that like can you talk about that at all or like do you ever or if you can't talk about that could you at least talk about like maybe if you've ever seen any signs of like stress in like one of your you know um deputies that you've had to like pull them aside or whatever well yeah i mean you can if you work of course you know from experience but um, once you work with someone long enough, you can read them like a book. Mm. Uh, and you can tell if something's on their mind, if, if, if they're, you know, in a bad mood, if they're, if they're angry, if they're extremely happy or, you know, what their, what their mood is. Um, and there's times when, um, when I go to work and we have roll call and, it's, it's a very laid back roll call, you know, it's, mm. gosh, we're so laid back. Um, but we all sit in my office and we have small talk and, and there's times when you can just look at somebody and it's not just me, it's everybody. And there's like, okay, something's wrong with that person right there. And, um, it's the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. And usually I just say, Hey, d- do you want to talk or, um, you know, do you want me and you to go somewhere or do you want to talk about this as a group? Nine times out of 10, we'll just talk about it as a group or like a family. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's not that many people, um, on a shift where I work. As a matter of fact, um, there's a sergeant and six deputies mm-hmm. and we patrol 620 give or take uh, square miles in this county. Holy shit. Yeah. So, uh, what? I mean, there's other, you know, deputies out there that are assigned to different units. But yeah. um, as far as stress uh, and, then, you know, seeing somebody going through something and whatever, yeah, I mean, we just address it. We, we talk about it. Um, as a matter of fact, there's times when um, – <laughs> sometimes what we do 
at the end of the day is we make little videos. Um, is that what and, you put on your Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, there, I've got a couple of guys on the shift. I mean, they're just funny, but, um, I don't necessarily know that we do that to relieve stress, but it definitely makes everybody laugh. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. No, I love that. And I, and I love, I love the team building atmosphere. It seems like, and then correct me if I'm wrong. And I mean, I don't know if you could even, you probably can't even beg to differ with me, <laughs> but it really kind of sounds like, you know, you do have a really good, you know, the thin blue line is, is real. It kind of sounds like on your shift, you know, like you just said, like we're a family and, and I like that. And I think, um, I think we need more of that. Uh, yeah, we're, we're thick. It's I like thick. it. I like it um, because I, you, I don't, you probably haven't had an opportunity to, but um, my latest episode, my latest podcast episode, which by the time this will come out, will be a couple episodes back. But like, I really um, kind of just went off on this topic uh, recently because um, you know, the shit that I've experienced. And so what I want to say is to like your deputies, like they, they need to know, um, and they're probably going to bust your balls for this, but like, they need to know like how thankful, like how thankful they need to be for you and the atmosphere that you guys have all created together, because that is not what it's like in every police department. That's not what it's like on every single shift either, you know? Um, yeah. And I love that team atmosphere and that in itself tends to um, reduce stress, you know? Absolutely. It does. And, and reduce issues. So um yeah. Good. Good on you, Sergeant. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, just to wrap this up a little bit, do you have any advice uh, that you'd give to any rookie cops just starting out? Um, there's probably a lot of things that I could say to rookies mm -hmm. um, that's just starting out. Probably one of the first things that I would say, and I, I'm not going to, they're not in any order of importance, mm -hmm. um, but check your damn ego at the door, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You're no better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. We're all on the same team. We all, um, are, we all want the same uh, end result. So mm -hmm. um, check your ego at the door. Mm -hmm. um, you know, do you remember what it was like um, your very first shift that you ever worked once, especially once you got out of uh, FTO, your uniform was probably as creased <laughs> as it could be. Oh yes, Your, your boots were clean, polished. Mm -hmm. Oh, you yes. looked good. You were proud of that uniform. You were, you were so proud of yourself and, and what you were about to do. Keep doing that. Yep. Keep doing that. Yep. Your appearance will go a long way, mm -hmm. a very long way. Um, gosh. You know, just, just to expand upon that, if you don't mind, um, that's huge. And because, you know, when we, here's, here's the thing, especially in law enforcement, like it's so easy for us to obviously to get negative and to ride that negative wavelength. Like we can do that. We talked about that. Um, but like when we, we need like an easy way to help yourself start feeling like a little bit better about yourself and like things is it simply is to just to make your appearance, um, you know, step it up, you know, and, and do that, do exactly what you're saying. Stay crisp and don't lose that, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's huge. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, to kind of piggyback off of that, um, always try to do your best to, to keep a positive mental attitude mm-hmm. and don't get caught up in the negativity um, that just runs rampant in a lot of departments. It's unfortunate, but it, it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, try your best to leave personal issues at home. Mm-hmm. Try not to take that shit to work with you. Mm-hmm. It could really, 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 really mess you up. Yep. Um, another thing that's, that's very important and it's a sad reality of being in this career is just, you need to understand that over time you will become desensitized to almost every single human emotion possible. Yep. True that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with you if, when this happens or if it happens, hopefully it won't, but there's nothing wrong with you. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be too prideful to tell someone if something that you witnessed at work on a call, um, just shook you to your core. Mm. Um, we care about you. We love you. We, we care about your, your mental health and, and, talk to people mm-hmm. uh, P- PTSD is a real thing and um, we're losing a lot of brothers and sisters because of it and uh, just don't be too prideful to talk to somebody about that absolutely yeah and I- don't let the job consume you <laughs> go play golf <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no seriously that's like some that's serious seriously good advice um, and I definitely appreciate that. And you heard it, Sheepdog Nation coming from the sergeant. Sergeant's giving his orders. So you know what that means. <laughs> You've got to listen. So um, thank you very much, Sergeant Harris. We really appreciate it. Um, is, before we leave, is there anything else that you want to just say? Leave Sheepdog Nation with anything else before we wrap this up? You know, the sheriff that we have currently, uh, during his first campaign and i'm not don't worry i'm not getting all political and shit on you (laughs) but um one of the mottos that he had during his campaign really stuck with me and it's still with me today um and that is leave people better than you found them Mm. right so a lot of times when we come in contact with people they're at their lowest low um leave them better than you found them mm-hmm. go that extra mile um you know what you can do to to lift somebody up do it mm-hmm. don't talk down to those people you're no better than they are mm-hmm. um and try to leave them better than you found them and get home safe mm. yep get home safe i love both of that awesome well, thank you very much for being here. Um, this was a kick-ass episode. I'm really excited for everyone to hear it. And um, everyone, okay, if any of you want to see those funny videos, which I think we all do, if you're not already following Sergeant Harris on Instagram, um, you can go and literally, it's Sergeant Harris, right? That's yeah. literally what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's his handle. And it will be in the show notes as well. All right. Well, Thank you very much. And we will see you, Sheepdog Nation, in the next episode. And that was another episode of Sheepdog Nation. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and let us know by giving us a rating. If you have questions that you want answered by Autumn in the podcast, submit it by going to the link in the show notes. As always, stay safe and watch your six.